Welcome to the Spark Youth Podcast. Spark is the youth ministry of the Enfield and Strathfield Anglican Church. Our mission is to gather to hear God's word, to grow in Christ's likeness, and to go in prayerful proclamation. To find out more about us, you can go to our website at fields.org.au forward slash spark, or you can find us on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash youth underscore of underscore spark. I'm going to have a go at describing two ways your day might have gone this morning. Okay, you might have had a day that runs something like this. You get up in the morning, you reach for a clean, fresh pair of socks, but you can't find two that match. You go to have a shower, but your sibling has used up all the hot water. You get into the car with your family, you're stuck in traffic. You get to school late, and you find out someone's been spreading a rumour about you. Then your teacher says the assignment was due today and you forgot to do it last night. Now you have an opportunity to speak to some non-Christian friends at school and you're already in such a bad news uh, mood that when they ask you some dumb question about religion, you give some sort of short comment that comes across as if you're mocking them. You feel guilty, but you've done it now. You can't take your words back. Now eventually you return home and your mum has cooked that meal that you really hate. But your, your siblings actually don't mind, which is even more frustrating for you. Your parents want you to do your homework and your chores, but you really just want to play Valorant and watch some K-pop group. <laughs> Relevant. Um, like twice. That's a group. Yeah, straight kids. Um, finally, it's time for bed. And the day has been long... And your prayer runs something like this. Dear God, it's been a rotten day. I'm not very proud of myself. I'm frankly ashamed. But I don't really have anything to say. I'm sorry. I have not done better. Forgive my sin. Bless everyone in the world. Your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, but then a few days later, or maybe this is how your day went this morning, the sun is shining. You hear the birds singing. You smell something delightful. Bacon. I can't believe it. I wonder what the celebration is. And your parents just say, it's because we love you. You get up and you find those clean socks that you're looking for. And you have a wonderful time in God's word. You eat a hearty breakfast, you get in the car. And as you're driving, all the lights just, for some reason, turn green. All the way to school. You get to school early. And the teacher commends you on how good your work has been. The cool people at school are talking to you. You feel like you're everyone's friend. You come across that same non-Christian friends and wonder of wonder, they actually ask another question. This time, however, you respond with wisdom, gentleness, understanding, courtesy, insight, kindness. And lo and behold, they promise to come to youth group on Friday. You arrive home, there's a joyous family dinner. At the end of the day, you get down on your knees and you pray something like this. Eternal and matchless God. We bow in your glorious presence with brokenness and gratitude. We bless you that in your infinite mercies and great grace you have poured favour upon us. We are not worthy of the least of your mercies. We thank you for all the things in the day that I have experienced. And we pray for our link missionaries and for their families and their children. 
And then you start praying for everyone in Ignite you can think of. And you fall asleep feeling like God must be happy with you today. On which of these two occasions have you fallen into the dreadful trap of thinking that your relationship with God is based on your works? God help us. The sad reality is neither of those approaches to God is Christian. How dare we approach God on the basis of the kind of day that you had as if it were the basis of how we enter into the presence of a holy and sovereign God. It has nothing to do with what Jesus has done for you. Nothing. And so why is this so relatable? Well, I believe it's because we, as Christians, forget who we are. And in so doing, we actually forfeit the confidence that God has promised us. And so in this talk, we're going to spend some time looking at Romans 8 and being reminded of who we are in Jesus and how the Holy Spirit assists us in our prayers. And my hope is that you're going to be encouraged and spurred on in confidence in your prayer life. The first thing we're going to be looking at is without Jesus, we're spiritual orphans. Without Jesus, we're spiritual orphans. So um, hopefully you've got maybe a Bible in front of you, looking at verse 15. Paul's description of the Spirit's work of adopting us begins in verse 15. and, And it flows into one of the most beautiful pictures about... Christians and their joy and security anywhere in the Bible. But to begin with, speaking to the one who believes in Jesus, Paul says in verse 15, you can read it with me, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Here's the truth no one wants to hear. We're all born slaves. You may may not like to think of yourself as a slave. You might think of yourself as a free person, but we're not. Our hearts love sin, naturally, and this desire rules everything we do. We don't care about what God wants. We only want what we want. Now, I've heard of what it's like in orphanages, and they're not really like a family. Most people just look out for themselves, always looking out for number one. And the result is that they don't have any sort of assurance and confidence from day to day. It's a pretty anxiety-provoking situation, being in an orphanage in a school full of people that don't really care that much about you. And so you're always fending for yourself, thinking about yourself. Now, I think we can... We naturally begin our lives that way if you're not a Christian. We live as if we're orphans, always looking out for number one. But the result is, and it says there in the verse, we live our lives in fear. In fear of what? I think it's talking about, in verse 15, fear of death. Because we know that this kind of living, always looking out for ourselves and not other people, won't measure up when we stand before Jesus. And so does that describe you? Do you live like an orphan? When you think about your day, how much of it is thinking about your own needs? When you think about standing before your maker, do you feel fear? If you don't trust Jesus, well, you should fear God. But there is hope. Paul is saying in this section that the Spirit does not bring believers back into fear of judgment. In sharp contrast, when a person trusts in Jesus, they're adopted into God's family. Second point, through faith, we're adopted into God's family. Verse 15 says, But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now back in the Roman times, if you were adopted... 
You, you had all the legal rights of that family given to you, as if you were a natural child. If you've placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, everything that belongs to the family of God now belongs to you. I heard a story of an orphan who was adopted into a family, and every time dinner came, to begin with, he would grab food really fast and then put his arms over the food like this. So no one would take his food. As everyone only ever fought for themselves in the orphanage. So it was like, you've just got to grab what you can get or you miss out. And it took months for this guy to realise, to learn to trust his new family. That they weren't going to take his food. In fact, that food was his now. And in a similar way, sometimes I think it takes time for us to learn to experience the peace and security that comes through being adopted into God's family. And so what this passage goes on to say is the Holy Spirit helps us with this. To experience that peace and security. Have a look in verse 16, where Paul says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit functions to remind and assure us that you are God's child. He reminds you of the scriptures which tell you Jesus died to bring you into his family. The Father delights in you as if you were his son. God will never leave you or forsake you. Nothing can separate you from his love. And as a result, verse 16 saying, you can cry to him as Abba, Father. And this is really significant because that language of Abba, Father, that's the same language Jesus used in the Garden of Gethsemane. In other words, you have the same relationship to the Father as Jesus had to his Father. We have been made full members of God's family, and that is a really big privilege. Non-Christians may know him to be a father, but there's a world of difference between knowing God to be a father and calling God my father. And what it means is that you get to pray to the most powerful person in the world who loves to hear your prayers. Imagine the most powerful person in the world, the, the President of the United States. Now for a moment, let's forget who this president is or who it was and instead imagine this person was your father. Now you may walk right past the guards of the Oval Office into the, to the front entrance and those in charge of security, they just smile as you pass them. You walk right past a line of important people queuing up to see the president and as you walk into the Oval Office, you're welcomed with arms open wide. And the president begs you to sit down and make all your concerns known to him. And he assures you that he will expend all the power that he has at his disposal to care for your needs. It's a pretty cool picture, isn't it? Well, that's the the confidence that we have in prayer through being able to call God our Father. And so we can pray with assurance knowing your Father will always hear your prayers. There was an officer in the city of Rome back in the day who was appointed to have his doors always open in order to receive any Roman citizen who applied to him for help. And that's similar to the way God's door is always open to his children. And their prayer is his delight. And this invitation is open to anyone here who would receive it. So if you do not yet pray... You have the invitation of adoption. If you trust Jesus, he will adopt you into God's family, into a family where you get to call God your father, 
who is ready to receive you and loves to hear your prayers. And if that's the case, if this is you, you call yourself a Christian, then I think the opportunity is live like you're part of the family. Live like you're part of the family, which is the next slide. And bring your mess to God knowing that he loves you. What about you? Do you pray as if your heavenly father is the most powerful person in the world? If your dad was the most powerful person in the world, how often do you think you would ask him for the stuff you need? How often do you go to God with what's going on in your life and what's on your mind? When you were chatting to the person next to you about this morning, did you say that you did pray this morning or not? How amazing is this? Because he is our dad, God is more willing to listen and to grant than we are to ask. He's more willing to listen and to grant our prayers than we are to ask. Think of all the blessings, all the answered prayer we're missing out on because we simply fail to ask God. So why don't you go to God in prayer more often? I think there are three likely reasons. Here are the reasons I came up with. One, and this is because it applies to me as well. Perhaps you don't think God is powerful enough to answer your prayers. Now, I think this comes back to what faith is. Faith is not only believing Jesus died for your sins. Faith is confidence that Jesus is real and he's the Lord of the universe. And if you don't believe this, why not? If you don't believe this, you can look back at places in the Gospels where Jesus walks on water, where he commands the storm to be still, where he heals a leper, where he raises people from the dead. And you can remind yourself that God can answer your prayers. Okay, maybe he's not powerful enough. There's problem number one. Maybe secondarily, you think you can handle things on your own. You sometimes pray, but you get impatient when things don't change and God doesn't seem to be working. So you go ahead and try and fix the situation yourself, but when you do that, you're not creating space for faith. Faith is as Proverbs 3 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, And he will make your paths straight. That's what faith looks like. The more you take matters into your own hands, the less you're strengthening your faith that God will work in his timing and in his way. And I think this is often linked to selfishness. We want things and we won't take no for an answer. But what if God wants better for us than we want for ourselves? What if our Heavenly Father knows that giving us that thing that we want isn't actually what's best for us in the long run? So we need to trust God with what's best. Okay, so handling things on our own. Thirdly, you don't think God wants to answer your prayers. Perhaps you think about the selfish, sinful things you've done during the week and it makes you feel, "Hmm, God probably doesn't love me and he certainly wouldn't want to answer my prayers. I think this is why we need to let the privilege of adoption sink into our hearts. Remember the two types of prayer at the beginning? The problem was that the person's confidence and time spent in prayer was based on the kind of day they had. And this approach completely forfeits the assurance we have now as God's children. So long as we make good works and circumstances the basis of our coming to God in prayer, I think we're going to be um, allowing the devil into our lives to keep accusing us of guilt and judgment and the, the, sin, um, the judgment that we deserve. If we're doing it on our own, we fall short and we'll be filled with guilt. But... We have not received a spirit of slavery whereby we fall back into fear, but a spirit of adoption as sons where we cry, Abba, Father. And that status never changes. It's secure. 
The Holy Spirit living in you secures your adoption as God's sons. And this is not conditional upon circumstances or good works. Think about it. Do you wake up questioning whether you're still in your family each morning based on how you lived the day before? You don't. Imagine if I had that attitude towards my two-year-old daughter, Anastasia. Every time she did a pooey nappy, I told her, I don't love you anymore and you need to clean yourself up if you want to be in this family. It doesn't make any sense, right? It's unthinkable. Instead, Anastasia's status is based not upon how much sleep I get or what I find in her nappies, though at times it scares me. Every time I look at her, I see my beautiful child who I love, even when I'm changing a nappy. In the same way, for those who trust in Jesus, every time the Father looks at you, he sees his child and is filled with love, even though you still sin. And God responds to us with outstretched arms, patiently waiting until we're ready to bring our prayers and our mess and our feelings to him. And then God takes our mess and our sin and he loves us anyway. So let's pray to him now. Heavenly Father, thank you for adopting us as your children and making us heirs of eternal life. By your Holy Spirit, please remind and assure us of your promises to us that we may be encouraged in our hearts to delight in the privilege we have of getting to approach you as our Father with all of our mess and all of our requests, knowing that you love us. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.